to the Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Oh, yeah. Happy Mother's Day. On today's episode, we're going to be covering 10 things that we learned on the Keys to the Kingdom tour uh, down at Magic Kingdom on our most recent trip down to Walt Disney World. It was an incredible tour. If you've not done uh, any of the tours down in Walt Disney World before, uh, they have a lot of different ones. Definitely recommend doing any of them, any of the tours or kind of special events uh, that you can do because there's surfing lessons. So that's not really a tour, but any kind of the, like behind the scenes things that you excursions. can do. Excursions. Yeah, excursions are great. But the Keys to the Kingdom tour was absolutely phenomenal and just packed full of facts and just like little tidbits about the Magic Kingdom, things you never knew. So we're going to share kind of our favorite ones with you that today. Yeah, I was, I mean, I thought I would like it. I ended up liking it even more than I thought I would like it. So exceeded expectations. That's always good. Exceeds expectations. All right. But let's cover some Disney news of the week before we get into the Keys to the Kingdom tour. So the Magic Band Plus has debuted at Walt Disney World. It is $29.99. There's actually some on sale, just the three basic colors. I don't think any of the functionality or features is turned on in the parks yet, but they uh, were selling some of these uh, at Disney Springs uh, this past week. Also with the media event of Guardians of the Galaxy, a lot of the, the people there for that media event, they showed off a lot more of these Magic Band Pluses with some of the, the functionality and features they're going to have. So it seems like very, very soon we're going to be getting the full Magic Band Pluses uh, down at Disney World. I think for $30, it's not too bad of a price, um, considering you know regular Magic Bands are around that price as well. These light up. These interact with the 50th anniversary statues, so I think it's probably uh, not too unreasonable for that, for some of the you know extra features and a little bit of extra magic in your day. Yeah, I was really interested to see like some of the videos that the influencers were putting out and how they vibrate whenever you get near a statue. So, I mean, if you're walking around the park and you're not, you know, fully paying attention or distracted by something else, they sound like they would be really cool to kind of alert you to the fact that maybe you're standing by a statue that you would have otherwise potentially missed because, you know, some kid dropped his ice cream cone or something like. So I, I think that they sound really cool. I like the lighting up. My, I wonder, I don't know if they would interact with the fireworks shows and stuff, but I feel like they would. They talked about that they would. And I think that's what's going to be interesting because they are going to have some cool features. They do have to be separately recharged because they do have their own light in them. So, you know, you have to make sure they're charged kind of like an Apple Watch or some sort of other wearable versus just a regular magic band that you know doesn't need an external uh, power source or charge. So it is something that like if you forget to charge it, it's not going to work and you may have some issues. So it'll be interesting to see how these take off because they are going to have some cool features like whenever you tap in, it'll light up or it'll interact with the, the statues or the fireworks. But at the end of the day, is it really going to be worth it to buy <laughs> a separate magic band when everybody has so many magic bands to begin with. So I could see this also coming across as people saying, I really don't need this. It's just another thing I got to worry about. Another thing I got to charge. It lights up. It's fun. One time I do it and maybe it's not worth it again. So I think it's cool, but it'll be interesting to see if they add on something that really makes it stand out of like, you have to have this or you feel like you're missing out. 
The other thing I can potentially see about this is seeing like because I already have an Apple Watch, I could see this being very confusing for my brain because when my Apple Watch goes off or vibrates or whatever, it means I have a text message. So I can guarantee like I'm going to look at my um, my Magic Band, Band Plus and be like, oh, who texted me? Like it's going to be confusing. So I think that that will be an interesting thing, you know, for people who don't have that or aren't used to it, they probably you know they they won't think twice because it's all they know but yeah for me it's it, i think it and a lot of people i think it's going to be a little bit confusing at least at first yeah i definitely think they price it though at the right price point again the, the plain ones they seem to be selling for around 30 dollars. they have some fancier designs i'm sure they'll be more expensive but i think it's at a price point enough that if you're a diehard disney fan and you want a little bit of an upgrade it's not too expensive that you'll say, hey, I can pay 30 or $40 for this and it adds a little bit extra magic to my trip. But then casual uh, visitors, things like that, they may not buy it, but it's not going to feel like they're missing out because there's so many additional features. It doesn't feel like, oh, now I got to buy this special magic band too. And I feel like I'm getting nickel and dimed over everything. It's like a cheap enough price point where people can buy it. If it does a couple nice things, it's cool. But other people don't feel like I have to buy you know, one of these for all of my family or I'm going to miss out. Over on Disney Plus, this, there is a sketchbook drawing show now where basically they walk you through what you could do over at Rafiki's Planet Watch, um, you know, the, the drawing class. And they have the actual like animators that were like the lead animators in the movies showing you how to draw different characters. Yeah, this is really exciting. I think it's a six uh, episode series over on Disney Plus. But again, I think you know we've talked about this before. Like this is what I think adds value to Disney Plus. It's great that they have all the Marvel shows and all the movies and everything. But these kind of behind the scenes or specialty shows where they've never had this type of stuff before. This is really the content of if you're a diehard fan, you can really like dig in and enjoy this because who wouldn't want to learn how to draw their favorite character? Who wouldn't want to be taught from the animators? That actually are doing this for a living. Um, so this is exciting. They're like, yeah, 20 minute, half hour shows. You can learn to draw your favorite characters. And it is. It's it's like the Animation Academy and you can have it at home. So it's it's absolutely great. And the other thing that I think this is great is sometimes when we're over at Disney, I don't want to necessarily take a half an hour to sit down and actually draw a character. And so it is really nice because at home it can kind of keep that magic alive and you can it's almost like you're there because you don't really need to be there in the room with the animator. So I think that this will be really cool. We haven't tried it yet, but I will definitely I think, you know, over the summer I get a little bored. This is definitely something I'm going to be doing on my own. Yeah, totally. And then over at the Star Cruiser, they announced a, a new add-on feature. So if you know paying the five to six thousand dollars <laughs> wasn't enough for you, th- you know they're, they're having these add-ons. But what they're doing now is face painting. So you can book. I think it's like a thirty-minute or so session. Uh, they come to your room and they'll you know paint your face, make you up like one of your favorite Star Wars characters. So I think this is cool. It's a nice little add-on. You know they have the photo package, which has been super popular because you can get professional photos. They say the photographers there on the Halcyon do a great job of, of posing you. You know you get kind of special access to the room. So you know the the hotel just looks beautiful. It looks like a giant movie set. So you can get some great photos there. This is just another way to kind of get some immersion if you want to have you know, your face made up, maybe like a Sokotanu or some of the other characters, you know, they can uh, do that for you, which again, just kind of helps with your level of immersion there. So kind of a neat little add on for people that are, are going out to the Star Cruiser. I can see the value in this because there have been so many times or so many costumes I've thought about for even like running a Disney race 
where I'm like, oh, I would love to do this, but it would require face pain. And I don't think I'm willing to, you know, commit to that level on my own. So yeah, I think they should extend this to like, you know, whenever you do the Disney run Disney races and they should find a way to, you know, get it done for you in a very short period of time. Yeah. And I'm sure these people are the professional you know, makeup artists that are doing a lot of the characters on the Star Cruiser. I mean, there's, yeah. they're doing a lot of detailed makeup. So, you know, if they're doing that, and to your point, like, you don't want to do it yourself because it may not turn out that great, but to have like a professional who's doing this, it's going to really pop and it's going to look great. So I, I think this is uh, a lo- something that a lot of people will do to, yes, kind of help with that immersion level. And the last thing, Disney announced uh, some new concept art for the redo going over at Epcot. And what I love about this is, you know, Disney already released concept art for the Epcot redo a couple years ago. And I love when they do this, when they release something and act like it's new and hope that we forget that they actually already released concept art that was drastically different than what they're releasing. They try to play this off as, hey, look at this awesome thing we're doing. Not all of the stuff we took out of it. And then those of us who have no memory, we just fall for it. That's Hulk what they're Glenn hoping and for. That's what they're hoping for. I didn't remember that they already did this. Yeah. So some of the big changes are the you know the multi-story festival, permanent festival pavilion that they were building is now out of the concept art. They're essentially rebuilding part of the building that they tore down, which I think is interesting. They tore all these buildings down, they're <laughs> rebuilding part of it. So they're still going to have a festival stage as a flex space for the festival. They're also going to have a new area for a Mickey and Friends meet and greet. Um, it's just kind of more toned down from the multi-story building they were building. Also, you can clearly see the redo of Spaceship Earth is off the table. Spaceship Mm -hmm. Earth looks exactly the same as it does now, whereas in the original concept art, it's kind of the exit building uh, where you leave uh, look different in the original concept art. And you can kind of see some changes with some of the walkways and things. So definitely some changes. Uh, You know, the big things, again, being, you know, the Spaceship Earth uh, refurbishment seems to be off the table, at least for the time being. But yeah, it's interesting when it's like, it's big news, Disney releasing concept art, but it's like, wait, we already got concept art three years ago. You've been, you know, Epcot's been a mess for years now, and now you're just playing it off of like, look at this cool new thing we're doing. Pardon our pixie dust. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, we've been doing this. It's like, yeah, you you talked about this in like 2019. Hey, Hey, look over here. We totally didn't cut anything from yeah the i know i think it was i think it was 2019 i think it was d23 uh when they released it but yeah it's interesting so uh it seems like we're, we're kind of getting closer to it things are a little bit more you know concrete now the moana attraction journey of water is still on there that seems to be uh, pretty much the same as the original concept art so i think not uh, much got cut there if anything a lot of trees i will say is what i kind of get from this is like they're <laughs> going to be planning a million trees, it seems like, because that whole area right behind Spaceship Earth was basically all concrete. Uh, now it seems like it's going to be a forest. So I think it, if they uh, do pull that off and they put a lot of vegetation in there, it will look beautiful and it'll be a great place. I just can't wait for them to finally open this up so that you can walk through the park again and you're not walking all yeah, around all over place. yeah to try right. to get through all the construction. Yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, flower and garden is big and I'm sure that this will be more like additional places for them to put topiaries for flower and garden and do different things for that because there are going to be various little gardens all around i think it looks cool but again yeah, I, it still looks great i mean it still looks yeah. like it's going to be really beautiful once it's done right i, I think that it's still i don't know i still think Ep- epcot needs more attractions so it doesn't solve that problem but i i do think that this looks really interesting and um i'm excited to see them actually do what they're 
saying they're gonna yeah let's do. hope in another year we don't get new concept art and we go just kidding hey this is gonna we're be a cement slap we're not this is gonna be the best cement slap we couldn't ever. afford any trees <laughs> yeah so they just keep releasing uh more concept art and just pretending like it's new every time they do it all right so let's get into our main topic today like i said we're going over kind of the top 10 things that we learn fun facts that we uncovered during the Keys to the Kingdom tour. And for those of you that don't know, the Keys to the Kingdom tour is a five-hour walking tour at the Magic Kingdom. You get to go behind the scenes. You get to go in, into the Utilidors. So if you're somebody that's a big fan of Disney, you want to see the Utilidors, you want to see behind the scenes, it's definitely a great tour to go on. It's very reasonably priced. It's only I think 120 or 130 dollars. You get lunch included. There's definitely some surprises. We will not ruin those surprises and the things that we're gonna cover. They're more like factoids. Yeah, they're more like factoids. And you know, if you if you don't want to know anything about the tour, we won't take offense. Yeah, you don't have to listen. But even if you kind of get these things, there's so much more and so many more surprises and and so much more fun on the tour that this isn't going to ruin it for you. It's probably just going to get you more hype to go on it. And I'm sure your cast member too will help dictate you know the information you get. So if we share something, it might be something that's specific to the cast member that we had, and you might get a different cast member that's going to give you different information or information that you won't get maybe some of this information that we got from ours. So yeah, it was... It was fantastic, and I think that five hour, I could have done a sixth or probably a seventh hour of this tour, but oh, I think five quickly. hours, yeah, I was going to say, I think five hours was actually perfectly timed because it flew. Yeah, and they definitely give you like a lot of breaks. You have sit-downs. So if you're somebody that like, doesn't want to be on their feet for five hours, you right. definitely have like some rest stops. I will say- Plenty if you, of bathroom breaks. If you do plan to do this tour, try to do the earliest one possible. We did- the 8 a.m. tour, which was a half an hour before the park opened. So as you're walking through the park, some areas aren't even open yet, which is great because oh. you get to go to some areas before there's even guests in there. It was so, amazing. So try to do the earliest tour time possible uh, would be my recommendation for you because you get it's even more you special. Feel VIP. Yeah, it's even more VIP and special. Exactly. And, and like even during that time, you're not allowed to even take photos yet because they say you know the the park isn't. Uh, uh, guest ready. I forget what the term she kept using was, but it, it's, it's not like stage ready. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not show, show ready. ready. I think yeah, she exactly. said it's not show ready. So please keep your cameras away because again, you know, you might see something. We didn't really see anything, but you might see something that you wouldn't typically see in like you know on the sidewalks in Disney, like somebody with a big trash can like picking up stuff. But we didn't really see anything crazy like that. Um, but yeah, it was really really cool to go and like there were droves of people and we just cut through the crowds like a knife and then we were in the park where nobody else was it was awesome all right so let's get into uh, some of like our favorite facts things we learned so i'm going to start uh with with my first one here and it's that there are five keys that all cast members must follow and this is public knowledge this is something disney corporate you know has put out and they you know recently talked about this because they added the fifth key of inclusiveness um, but the five keys are safety courtesy, show, efficiency, and inclusiveness. Now, what I did not realize and what I kind of learned and found interesting is that they work in a hierarchy. The first four, yeah. So inclusiveness covers all of them, but the other four work in a hierarchy. So safety takes top priority, then courtesy, show, efficiency. And what kind of clicked for me as they were explaining it is safety is above everything else. So if it comes to safety versus presentation for the show, safety is going to win out. And 
this is something like that's always I laugh at sometimes because when I ride the rides, like Rise of the Resistance, for instance, as you're going through this incredibly detailed set, there's exit signs. Right. And I always joke of like, oh, the Star Destroyer, you know, the First Order is, is sticklers for safety. They have to have their exit signs <laughs> up there. And I kind of laugh at that, but... I never really thought that it's because of this. It's because it's baked into Disney's corporate culture that safety is above all else. So it is important. Like I'm sure Imagineers don't want those exit signs there, but because safety is the number one priority, those have to be there that even if it takes you out of the immersion, it's more important that things are safe than to be immersive for show. And another thing, you know, that goes along with this. And I never noticed this before, but they mentioned that Orlando, Florida is like the lightning strike capital of the world. I think it was. And so if you look at the, all of the buildings along main street and all around magic kingdom, there are little lightning rods on all of the buildings. Now, some of them like on the castle and stuff, that's why you have the, uh, the turrets or whatever. I don't really know what to call them, but they're a little bit more hidden, but just if you look at the tops of all the other buildings, they're very clear to see. It's very clear to see the lightning rods on them. And also that's why the flags are there that they mentioned, um, those little flags that aren't actually flags. Yeah, they're, they're, pennants. they're pennants. Because, yeah, exactly. They, they hide them when they can, but it's more important that they have them for anything. So I thought that was interesting, and it just clicked of how all of those you know kind of play into the presentation of the parks, and, and it makes more sense than when you view the parks through that lens. Okay, this next one blew my absolute mind. It's that the windows above the shops in the Magic Kingdom act as credits for the park. I noticed that there were names of different Imagineers along the windows um, along Main Street, but I never had thought about it. And so our guide actually told us Walt's concept for this was that movies have credits at that role. And actually movies back in the day would have credits at the very beginning. And so it was really interesting because as you walk into the park, there are credits that are rolling and you get to see it. And then also as you leave, there are credits rolling out. And it's really cool because the only person to have two windows is Walt. And you can't see, the one is I think on the outside of the train station. So you see that literally when you're walking into the park. Yeah, I was actually going to say that as kind of the next item is that Walt's the only one with two windows. So you're right, there's one on the train station as you're entering the park. So he welcomes you as you enter the park. And there's one at the end of Main Street above the ice cream parlor so that he is kind of the last name you see and says goodbye. So the idea there is that Walt Disney welcomes you in uh, and kind of greets you as you leave and says goodbye. And he's the only one with two windows. But yeah, kind of the idea of credits, because now we think of movies, credits are at the end. But whenever, you know, the 50s and 60s, whenever Disney made a lot of their movies, even if you look at some yeah. of like, the original movies, like Snow White, all that stuff, if you Sleeping go on Disney Beauty, Plus, yep. there's all their credits at the beginning. And so that was the idea of, hey, these are the people that built this park. These are the people that worked on this. So we're going to give them credit as you come in. So the next fact that I had was that the Jungle Cruise water is actually dyed. And the backside of water actually has a very functional role of being the waterfall that churns the dye to the water. So if you go through the Jungle Cruise, the water is actually crystal clear, but Disney dyes it. And so that way you can't actually see all of the hydraulics on the animatronics underneath the waterline. And they actually don't exist underneath the waterline because you can't see down there. But it's pretty amazing that, yeah, that backside of water, that waterfall is what is churning dye through there to kind of give it that uh, jungly vibe. Yeah, you know, when we were going through the ride, our guide asked us, what do you call an animatronic hippo on the Jungle Cruise? And then she said, hippo bottomless. (laughs) I thought that was so perfect. 
Our next one is that actually no one really showed up to Magic Kingdom's opening day. Yeah, this is amazing. I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, originally when Disneyland opened and for the first, I don't know, probably decade plus, Disneyland was actually closed two days a week. Like it wasn't open seven days a week all year round because they didn't have the crowds to maintain it. Like it, it seems mind-blowing now that any Disney theme park wouldn't have crowds to maintain it seven days a week, 12 hours a day. But they didn't at first. And yeah, with the Magic Kingdom, a lot of people didn't show up the first day. And I think that this is probably, I mean, I don't know if she ever said this, but due to the the very uh, craziness, like the craziness that occurred at Disneyland on opening day, a lot of those people were probably still around and like, oh, well, I'm not showing up. It's not, the park's not ready. It's insane here. So a lot of people were like, nah, that's okay, I'll wait. And so they had five thousand workers on opening day at disney world but there weren't many people there at all to actually go on yeah and that's just magic kingdom so imagine five thousand uh cast members just at magic kingdom but it kind of goes to to your point of like yeah people thinking it was gonna be crazy and avoiding it as you were saying that i was thinking of a few years ago when galaxy's edge opened at disneyland there was this huge thing of like it's gonna be crazy it's gonna be crazy and for the first month after Galaxy's Edge opened, Disneyland was empty. Yep. Like the rides were not just Galaxy's Edge, but all of the rides in Disneyland were like walk on. It was like 15 or 20 minutes. It was the best time to go because they were doing the, you basically had to reserve your spot to get into Galaxy's Edge. So a lot of people thought, hey, if there's going to be a ton of people there, if I can't get into Galaxy's Edge, it's no point in going. I think a lot of the locals stayed away. And it was actually like the best time you could have gone to Disneyland because nobody was there. And I think that's the same thing. Like people saw Disneyland's opening day and people in Florida were like, I'm not going nah. there the first day. It's going to be insane. And they had so many workers uh, and nobody was really there. But thankfully, people showed up eventually and then <laughs> building more theme parks. And we have Walt Disney World as it, as it was today. But could you imagine if they opened Magic Kingdom, nobody really went and then nobody continued to go and it like fizzled out. Yeah. Like just the amount of money they put into it and everything they, you know, kind of put on that. I mean, that could have completely changed the course of the company where they abandoned theme parks. Yeah. You know, and you don't have the Walt Disney World um, that you have there today. Talking about going around the park, we got to see, as we mentioned, the Utilidors, which were absolutely fascinating. But one of the things that I thought was so cool about it is just how well organized they were. And they're actually color-coded so that cast members know which section of the park that they're in. So, for example, I believe it was Fantasyland was, and I might be wrong, but I believe it was like pink. Um, it was a or, bright color. Yeah, I think. And it, it's amazing that, that they think of this because, yeah. again, you're, you don't think like, hey, you're underground. You have no idea where you are. Right. So it makes perfect sense, though, because you think about it and everyone's and I never I, honestly I mean, this is how seamless their their operation is. But I never really thought about, oh, you never see somebody who works in Fantasyland over in Tomorrowland or anything like that. They don't want cast members that are dressed for a specific area showing up in the wrong area because then it would be not correct. Their costumes would clash and then it would ruin the illusion. So underneath the ground in the utilidors, everything is color coded. There's even a neutral area. So everybody knows where they are so that you don't accidentally pop up in the wrong spot. So this was super cool to see. Yeah, definitely seeing the utilidors is a highlight. I mean, it's definitely a selling point. You know, whenever you go on the website and and the Keys to the Kingdom tour, I mean, it highlights, you get to see the fame, the fable utilidors. You actually get to go down into the utilidors. It's definitely something where like in your mind, I think you have an idea of what it's going to be like down there of it's this, 
you know, crazy labyrinth of tunnels. Like, like I don't know what I was expecting, but it's definitely different than, than what you can imagine. It's much more mundane, I think, for lack of a better word, but it's a much more kind of just mundane, ordinary place. Like I think to <laughs> I think to fans and to people that have never seen it and you hear about the Utilidors, everybody kind of knows what they are. In your mind, it's hyped up and it's this kind of like mystical thing. And you, I don't know, you think there's like magic down there or something like that. But it, it really is, uh, it, it's just really kind of like to the people that work there, it's like, it's just their office. It's like if I came uh, to your work and saw your office, it's just going to be, Hey, here's the office. Here's the break room. You know, here's where I work. Here's my desk. It's like that. So, but it's still fascinating to see that because it is kind of like the nerve center of the magic kingdom. And, and there's a lot going on down there and to see, yeah, like how they have things color coded and just, I mean, just the regular stuff of like, you know, a break room bulletin board of like what's going on and things like that. And just to hear like the announcements and the things that the cast members go through to kind of get a peek into their lives is really fascinating. So it's definitely worth going. And, and again, I use the term mundane, but that doesn't mean it's not exciting. It's just, it's just different, I think, from the, what you expect. All right, so I have uh, two here, and they're both related to the Haunted Mansion. So I'm going to go back-to-back Haunted Mansion here because there's always a lot of fun details in the Haunted Mansion, and these are two things that neither of us had actually uh, known this, before. This is absolutely mind-blowing. And so the first one is that Imagineer... Uh, Mark Davis, who worked on the Haunted Mansion, loved chess. And there's actually a lot of the attractions he worked on uh, have uh, chess games or knots to chess in them. But actually on the top of the Haunted Mansion, and if you look, like you wouldn't notice if you're not thinking about it, but if you look next time you go see the Haunted Mansion clear as day, there are chess pieces on top of the Haunted Mansion. And they're so well done, it seems like it's just the decor of the house. But they're actually chess pieces. So go check that out next time you're at the Haunted Mansion. The other one is there is a hidden Donald on the Haunted Mansion. It's a little bit abstract. It's super abstract. It's before you get to the seance scene. That's all I'm going to say. See if you can find it. Next time you're on the Haunted Mansion, try to find it. Let us know if you're able to find it. But there is an abstract uh, Donald on there. If you see it, you will recognize it. So real quick, I had to do a check on which Imagineer was the one who loved chess. And I looked it up on Disney Food Blog. And one thing that they have this fact, which is, absolutely fascinating too and we didn't get this at all from the uh keys of the kingdom tour but on top of the building all there's all the chess pieces except for night the night because it's always night on the haunted mansion this next one was so moving whenever our guys started talking about it and she mentioned that Roy Disney actually choked up during the dedication speech for Walt Disney World. He was having a really hard time because he knew that this was his brother's dream. His brother was no longer around. And so he was having a difficult time delivering the speech. So actually he left for 20 minutes and then came back with Mickey Mouse because that was the next closest thing to his brother. And I believe even in the pictures, like they were holding hands. This part I think I started crying whenever she she was telling us this story because it, it is just so moving that he was so dedicated to his brother and his brother's dream that this was a difficult moment for him and that he reached for something that his brother created to kind of help bring his memory about and kind of make it feel like he's more included in the moment. So I, I thought that that was just a beautiful fact. Definitely. And Walt Disney World was Walt's 
kind of like next dream and you know because he passed away before construction even started you know Roy stayed on he really made sure that he fulfilled his brother's dream so it it, it makes sense that he was looking for some connection and I think he probably you know felt like dedicating this park without some sort of connection to Walt just didn't make sense and so you're right yeah. like he he got the next best thing he could with Mickey Mouse because you know Walt created Mickey and everything but yeah it's kind of a beautiful note that they how they kicked off the park and they did that dedication that you know, he tried to include Walt because it really was Walt's dream to build this massive park and this you know this huge thing that, that what the Florida project was. Yeah, it really speaks to the love and respect that the two brothers had for each other and how their relationship really they they fed off of one another. Oh no, definitely. And I will say that is very difficult to follow. <laughs> it is. So the last fact <laughs> I have is not going to be uh, anywhere as like emotional or sweet as that one. Um, but the last one is around the bathroom area in Fantasy. Hey, Land. you stole the two about the haunted mansion. Though so I, I will say, I will say, people do love the bathroom area in Fantasyland. So maybe <laughs> to some people, this is the greatest fact. But there are ten hidden Pascals in the Tangle themed bathroom area in Fantasyland. So next time you're there. Check it out. See if you can find all 10. But people do love that bathroom area uh, over there. But so there's 10 hidden Pascals. So if you're waiting, if you're there, your family's using the bathroom, you're waiting, got some time to kill, check for some Pascals. Yeah. And it's so funny because I don't remember. I don't think I actually looked for even one when we were there. I think she might have told us this when we were done going to the bathroom. She probably wanted us to hurry it along a little bit. Didn't want to give us too much to do in the restrooms while she was waiting for us. Yeah. So now not only do you have hidden Mickeys to look for in the parks, you got a hidden Donald to, to try to find on Haunted Mansion, and you got ten Pascals to try to find in the bathroom area over in Fantasyland. So, so those are just some of the fun facts uh, that we learned, and just again, like scratching the surface of the knowledge yes. you gain. I mean, I think we probably forgot more than what we remembered yes. because it's so amazing, and it's definitely something I would totally do again. Like to your point, I think depending on what guide you get who who's your cast member kind of leading the tour i think they're going to bring different flavor different facts to this you know depending on the time you're there the time you go there could be different things happening you know backstage again you're going to the utilidors it's an active theme park people are working so you never know what you're going to see down there so each tour could be different each tour is probably going to be you know a little bit different than the one before so you know i don't know that i'd go every time i go on a trip but i think Every couple years, it's probably worth going on this again. And again, I I think this is probably, for me, one of the top behind-the-scenes tours that we've done. (laughs) It's hard to even put them in order. They were all so, so good. And this one is the most in-depth I think yeah. in terms of tour, so I think that's why it does kind of you know stand above the rest. But it's definitely a great tour. It's one we've heard a lot about, so we're really excited to do it. It definitely, to your point, lived up to expectations. It exceeded the hype. So definitely would recommend to any of our listeners, if you're considering it, if you've never heard of it and now you want to do it, definitely do it on your next trip. It is well worth it, and you will love it. And shout out to our cast member, Natalie. She was excellent. Her mom was a also an employee of Disney for almost 40 years. She was coming up on her 40th anniversary. She just gave us a lot of really great insight. And also we got a lot of great insight because she had that knowledge and she was because she is a legacy. So I it is just it, it was really awesome. And I'm sure that everyone that they have running their tours are top notch, but she definitely, I can speak to her and she was fantastic. So if you go and you have her, know automatically you're in for a great tour. Definitely. 
Definitely. So that wraps up the show for this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps, and it really we really appreciate it. If you do want to send us a question to answer on a future show or have an idea for a future topic, you can also do that by sending us a message on Facebook. We're Enchanted Ears over there, or through our website, enchantedears.com slash podcast question. Thank you for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.